Hello and welcome to the Enduro World Series podcast. My name is Rick McLaughlin and this is of course the home of all things Enduro mountain bike racing from around the world where we will be continuing our build up as we get ready to take on a packed season of EWS and EWS e-racing. Joining me again, like the seagull that hangs around your bins, is of course Rory Cunningham. Rory, we had Nigel Page on last week, so I didn't get a chance to properly catch up with what you've been up to for the last two weeks now. Go on, amaze me. What have you been up to? Ah, not a huge amount, Rick. Uh, it's definitely feeling a little bit more like spring. Um, we had some good weather, so nice to get on the bike. Uh, the hair is unfortunately still intact. Um, and we're still on, on Operation 85 kegs, although I measured in at 83 this morning, so I'm going to have to eat some more. I reckon Project 90 is on the horizon. I reckon Project 90 is where you're at. your sights really need to be fixed. Now, hopefully, and this is an extremely tentative hopefully, we you are currently listening to this and being blown away by our new levels of sound quality. We're doing our best to incrementally make these podcasts better and better, um, which is tricky as I have about, I'm about as technologically advanced as a jam jar, but we're getting there. If the audio isn't better, then it hasn't worked. Sorry, I can only offer our apologies. I'm not sure the headphones you've ordered me um, are that technologically advanced. You're probably harder to decipher than you usually are but uh, <laughs> luckily hanging out with you all last summer uh, I've had some experience so I should be alright I don't think there's a headphone on this planet that can help you with <laughs> a Northern Irish person who lived in Scotland for the last 10 years but um, here we go it's been as usual a busy time at the Enduro World Series office or offices I guess at the different houses from which we're all still working the first bit of business was the final few days of our entry system for the 2021 events being live and uh, your own part of the world Rory the Tweed Valley basically broke the internet um, we've had a huge response to all of our rounds that went on sale but entries for the Victoria EWS and EWSE Tweed Valley they just they crashed the site like the demand was that high um, <laughs> it's certainly building up to be a serious couple of races that isn't it it is, it is. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say everybody heard that I was designing the course, and that's why it sold out so quick. But uh, that'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there's, um, it's amazing to see, you know, and and, and considering last year there was there was really no racing happened in the UK, um, it's brilliant to see. Obviously, it's a, it's a shame for the people that didn't get in, but um, it's brilliant to see that um, racing is healthy and alive, and and there's big demand for it, and. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be a special one. It's been a few years, obviously, since the, the EWS has been in the Tweed Valley, and um, yeah, it will be. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing the, the way the sports come forward in in those kind of five six years, and and obviously the introduction of EWSE as well. So um, yeah, I mean, as an international event on your doorstep, it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be very exciting and of course we're working away at lots of stuff behind the scenes, um, lots of little interesting video plans and stuff around those events so we'll keep you posted and maybe a few teasers for those later in the year. Um, we do have some very limited spots remaining for a couple of events including the EWSE and, EW, sorry, and EWSE 100 races so that's you can think of that as a one or two battery EWSE race. Um, they're basically the ones that are outstanding, a couple of them. Head over to EnduroWorldSeries.com now to double-check the availability of those. I always have to sort of put a bit of a disclaimer that we are recording this a couple of days before it goes live, so 
hopefully they'll still be there by the time you hear this. Now, as ever, we have to start the show and talk about bike racing as and when it happens, and it has definitely happened. We have some race to tell you about in the form of the first of the year's EWS Gold Level Qualifiers at the epically titled Enduro Fest in Medina Bike Park down in Tasmania. This is one of those places that the picks alone make you want to go and ride there. Uh, we should go really next time we're down in that part of the world. What, what is a gold qualifier though? Can you explain that one to us? Yeah, I, mean, I totally agree with you, Rick. I think Medina looks looks amazing. Um, you know, Tasmania in general seems to be one of the, or it seems to be the kind of go-to destination for, for most Australians, or certainly um, those in kind of South Australia. Uh, just that bit further south, I think the climate's a little bit more, um, I don't know, less less dusty and dry maybe, and um, a little more kind of trees and vegetation. But yeah, I mean, we obviously have a, we always had a good time in, in Derby, but Medina as well. Um, I think it's something we need to tick off the bucket list. Um, so goal qualifier, it's um, new for 2021, um, and it's, uh, it, it's almost the... The easiest way for for riders to um, race an EWS affiliated event, um, but it's going to um, give more points than your standard qualifier. So uh, the gold qualifiers are aimed at kind of bigger national or, or regional events, um, and uh, there's global rank EWS global ranking points available, um, depending on the rider's position. Uh, obviously, the the more global ranking points you have, uh, the higher you you stank how you stack. In the, stank. in the global wow. stank, yeah, that's a, that's a new word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God's sake, red card. Now, uh, so the higher you are in the global ranking, um, the better chance you have of um, having a, a reserved entry for the EWS. So, um, yeah, quite a quite an important race for for a lot of riders looking to race EWS in the future. And um, you know, we're adding we're adding more and more of these to the calendar. Uh, for this season and um, yeah for right for riders looking to get into the EWS and, and maybe missed out on an entry or don't have the, the required global ranking points then um, yeah go on go on the website check out where the gold qualifiers are see where the, the nearest one is to you and um, yeah hopefully get yourself, be, get yourself entered hopefully there'll be one closer than Tasmania um, <laughs> it's a it's a useful marker as well that I guess the gold level qualifiers because you do get some big names turning up to them and you can sort of gauge, you know, whereabouts you are pace wise and um, where those guys are really sort of doing the damage. But some big names on there. Um, results wise, Dan Booker ahead of Connor Fear and rare to see Fear and let a victory out of his grasp. It has to be said, especially in that part of the world. Huge performance from Booker. Um, Fearon, he didn't win his first stage of the weekend until the very last one. I think Booker had a handful already by then, including the Queen stage. He's someone that Nukeproof Bikes have just actually signed up as well, racing that bright yellow factory Nukeproof. So definitely one to watch, you'd have to say, Riri. Yeah, um, like you say, uh, a, a, bit, a huge result for him. Um, we talked the last time or, or a couple of episodes ago about um, Connor Fearon and, and what he possessed skill wise and speed wise so um to beat to beat him is is massive and i i don't know a huge amount about dan booker i'm not i'm not going to lie but uh yeah definitely a name now that's that's on the radar and uh yeah good to see him getting some 
support from Ukeproof and uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be looking forward to uh, to the races there next year. I'm sure. I definitely yeah. I would point out that I mean, Medina, from what I've seen of it, certainly seems to be an extremely gravity orientated trail network. And if you're beating Connor Fearon over a couple of days of racing on that stuff, then you're going well. Uh, in the women's race, Laura Craft uh, took the win in the women's ahead of Shelley Flood by 42 seconds there. So another name that one that perhaps many of us are not that familiar with, but Shelley Flood certainly no slouch either. Josh Carlson, Froffer himself, uh, took the e-bike victory. So he's obviously in good form too. Um He's, he has to be one of the pre-season sort of favourites ahead of EWSE getting underway. We didn't see him last year, so there's maybe a bit more of a question mark over his performance and where he'll stack up. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of an, an unknown, given that he, he didn't race EWSE last year, but at the same time, someone of his experience, um, you would put them, you would pencil them in to, to be up and around the, the, the podium. Um there's not much going to get in his way uh, by the look of his hand guards either. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the, yeah, he runs. The, the, the tracks track, will be straight wherever he is. It's an Aussie company, uh, Barkbuster, they're called. Quite quite an aggressive assertion that you smash through trees with them. But um, I think they actually obviously come from motorcycles and they're developing a mountain, si- mountain bike-sized Handguard, but they're they're definitely quite something. That it makes it makes Josh pretty easy to spot in the photos now. Um, <laughs> right, how how are you coffee wise? Are you caffeined up? Are you are you feeling is your brain feeling agile? I think I'm on about three this morning, so um, I should right. I should be okay. To, if I if I can't clip together an answer here, then you know there's no hope. So right, what I'm pro- what I'm proposing we do is the the end of last week we have announced all the official Enduro World Series and EWSE teams um, on the site. They're all on EnduroWorldSeries.com if you want to go and check them out. There's some interesting some interesting names that have quietly flown under the radar over the different pits. And there's also some glaring emissions as well that sort of may point towards where people may be riding. Really, let's just take a run through them because I know that we have talked extensively on this podcast or previous episodes about um, teams in the past so let's just whiz through them um, starting with the premier teams Canyon, Ines Toma Jack Moyer, Dimitri Tordo Jose Borges, Fabian Burrell and Laura Ravelli. Borges is really the big standout uh, name change there isn't he? Yeah and it would be interesting to see if he's focusing on EWS E or, or EWS or, or plans on racing both so um, yeah, I mean, Dimitri Tordo for me and Jack Moore are both potential potential race winners. Um, I don't think we'll see much of Ines Toma this year on the bike. Obviously, she's um, she's having a baby, so congratulations to her. And congratulations, uh, Ines, if you're listening to this. Yeah, great news. And, and uh, yeah, I'm sure Fab will uh, flaunt her in the pits at a few races, and uh, yeah, we'll see if he's we'll see if he's brave enough to take on an EWSE this year. I've actually heard that uh, Borges's plan, the plan there, is for him to compete at both and then sort of evaluate as the season goes on, um, mm. which he should focus on. Which, 
to be honest, it's a bold move, but it's one that we saw him make in 2020, and it um, it only seemed to make him faster. So that would seem like I'm not sure if it's Fab, if it's Fab and uh, Gabe Fox who are combining to make those signings, but Jack Moyer last season, um, Jose Borges this year, Canyon. They seem to be making some really sharp signings in the off season. Chain reaction cycles, nuke proof. If you haven't already, check out our last episode with Nigel Page. Uh, everything you need to know there. Keelan Grant, Elliot Heap, some guy called Sam Hill, and Nigel Page himself. Uh, the Commensal Enduro Pro Racing Team. Cedric Ravenel, of course. Alex Rudeau. Antoine Vidal, his first year as a pro men's rider. That will be extremely interesting. Jack Piercy and Alize Lazus. Uh Ibis Enduro team. Now we reckon this could be one of the one of the contenders for the teams overall, don't we? If everyone stays fit and healthy, uh, Zacharias Blom Johansson's rejoined. Bex Barona, Cole Lucas, Robin Walner, and Louise Paulan. That's a serious outfit. That's a yeah. That's a solid squad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Lapierre's at Collective is going to be Isabel Corderier, Adrian Day, Chloe Gallian, Lissandri Bertini, and Nico Vulio. Again, you'd be doing well to highlight any weak points in that squad. Uh, Live Racing, Isabella Naughton, Riley Miller, Ray Morrison, Leonie Picton. Another really comprehensive uh, squad of young talent there from Live. The big one, which we talked about a bit last time, or uh, I think it was the time before last, out, Orange Factory Racing, Lachlan Blair, Joe Connell and Tom Wilson. That's uh, great to see an iconic British brand back in the mix. Orbea, Fox Enduro Team, Edgar Carbayo, Damien Otton, Vid Persak, Gra- Gabrielle Toralba, Evan Wall and Laura Charles. Although I think it's just Otton and Persak that are going to be full-time EWS, the rest are in national squads um, that Orbea set up with the Fox and that Rallon free and that looks like a decent decent race package to me yeah Orbea's a, an interesting one I, th- I think they've really they've really found their feet in, in, in Enduro and I think you know, I've seen a lot more uh, Orbea bikes uh, locally in the last few years as well so um yeah, they're they're a brand that that's really emerged with the with the discipline and, and seem to have their finger on the pulse. So, uh, you know, with Damien Otton having an extra an off season to kind of recover from his injuries in, in twenty nineteen, um, and Vid Persac only getting better and better, it'll be uh, it'll be exciting to see what they can do this year. Yeah, Vid, um, I kind of feel like he was building towards a big performance um, in Pets and Jamnitsa last season before unfortunately that event was cancelled but we will I'm sure head back to that part of the world soon um, and I just kind of get the feeling with it that we've yet to see what he's truly truly capable of I think there's a lot more speed in there Rocky Mountain Race Face Enduro Team unchanged I mean almost as you'd expect Team Canada Remy Govan Andrian Lamphy and Nadeau Jesse Melamed got those couple of wins back in 2020 Santa Cruz, Ram, Mark Scott, Iago, Gora, Iago Garay, sorry, and Romain Polhan. And um, Specialised Racing team announcement coming soon. Um, so 
that's a big one, potentially, given some of the names that are outstanding. I don't know how much we can talk about that. In fact, let's just move on from that. <laughs> Sun French Connection Racing by Altoez. That is what many people are quietly tipping as could be one of the surprise packages, actually. You've got Teo Galli, who had that podium Zermatt last year, but also being joined by your mate, um, Louis Jandal, mm-hmm. and a couple of other very fr- fast Frenchmen. Um, and then the pro teams list, you've got, I mean, it's just talent after talent after talent. We've got a forbidden synthesis team announcement coming soon, according to that list. And a few other really interesting ones. Head over to EnduroWorldSeries.com now. I don't really want to tread on any landmines or potential, I don't know, what's down from a landmine, cowpat. Um, with, we'll go with and, that. So, yeah, we'll go with that. Um Check it out on the website, think about who's not there and where they might be, and I'd say in a couple of weeks we might be able to update you with one. I have just pulled um, one of the EWSE teams out, really, for us to have a chat about, and that is Husqvarna e-bicycles racing. It's a brand new team for this season, uh, definitely one to watch out for. Alex Fayol, who won that UCI World Cup downhill and lowered back in 2017 amidst some horrific weather conditions is going to be their main rider across the year. Um, also hearing Marco Melandri, a former 250cc motorbike world champion, former MotoGP, former world superbike racer, on that set up to at selected rounds. Have you had a chance to check out that bike yet? It's the Mountain Cross 7, mixed wheel size, 150mm of travel, Shimano EP8 drive unit. Looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks it looks really good, and it's it's cool to see uh, it's cool to see a brand like Husqvarna, um, you know, going going down the the e bike route, and and they obviously recognise the the potential there, and uh, that it's really really cool to see. Um, I know we spoke about you know future technologies and and where we maybe um, see technology uh, with bikes advancing, but obviously Husqvarna is a wing of the uh, you know the KTM. Um, brand and uh, you know the the technology they have from you know MotoGP right through to electric motocross bikes and um, and everything in between it's uh, it's exciting and I think um, you know will we see will we see more uh, motorcycle brands um, jumping into TWSE you know I, I hope we will um, we obviously know Yamaha have a a drive unit which is that is that what they use on on Giant I believe um, I think so yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they all have Josh Carlson this year, and um, yeah, it would be it be really interesting to see uh, to see if more jump in. But uh, yeah, it's 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 great for the sport and um, and good for Alex Fayol as well. Um, I think he'll uh, he'll certainly be coming coming into it um, looking to win, and you know you you don't. You don't win a win a World Cup without being a, a fairly accomplished racer. So uh, yeah, another another big name to add to the mix and uh, see what he can do in twenty twenty one. I think yeah, he's um, he's also some man behind the wheel of a Subaru as well. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. Um, he has basically come out of downhill and stated that the age old thing of um, just needing a new challenge and needing a new um, sport to get his teeth into and. I think this is a really good fit for him. Um, I think e-bikes, as you were saying, just in terms of motorbike brands, they seem to be doing a really good job at bringing across those outside of bike industry uh, Mm -hmm. 
brands and making them sort of a, a bit more interested in mountain bike racing and uh, you certainly you look at that mountain cross seven again you can see that um in the news story on our website it's a proper looking bike do you know what i mean it, everything mm. would look to be there it looks cool like that black like shiny carbon fiber with a husqvarna badge on it i'm into it i think it looks cool yeah i think it, it, you kind of hear a bit of a point there when, you, when we talk about like you know motorcycle brands come into the sport we also look at like kind of riders as well. Like, you know, Alex Fayol, I know has, I know is a very accomplished motocross rider. Um, you know, we look at Le- uh, is it what's his name, Levi? Levi Batista. That's the one. I thought it was there Levi Batista, but I thought he was a, I thought he was a MotoGP rider as well. But you look at Levi Batista. You know, he's come from motocross. Um, you know, someone close to me. You know, Reese Reese Wilson. He. He was a big advocate of the e-bikes early on, and his background is motocross. I think it really kind of blurs that line of, of mountain biking and kind of motorbiking. You know, we see a lot of the the hard enduro boys, like Billy Bolt, I believe, who rides for Husqvarna and, uh, in the, the kind of enduro um, motocross scene. You know, we see him riding a, a, an e-bike a lot. So um, I think it's e-bikes are, are, are kind of pushing into this kind of middle ground that, don't really belong to mountain bikes and don't really belong to uh, motorbikes. Um, and yeah, I think we're seeing a lot more riders and brands adopting it. And um, you know, I think we'll we'll see the sport develop really quickly. And uh, yeah, the more the more big brands like Husqvarna and, and uh, Yamaha and, and those guys on board, it'll be uh, it'll be exciting to see where it goes. I think it's really interesting. And I mean just suspend reality for a second and imagine if you and I owned a motorbike company together first of all what a motorbike company that would be second of all I just I think that if one if part of your market is enduro motorcycles you know these these tools that can take you out into the middle of nowhere with your friends and explore and stuff that is what e-bikes can give you and a slice of that market would seem pretty appealing um so I think, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably see more of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting a closer look at that Husqvarna. Just as a little Husqvarna piece of trivia, when was that company started and what did it make? Ooh. We talked about Peugeot on a previous podcast being one of the oldest brands involved in mountain biking, but I think this comfortably blows it out of the water. I couldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to tell you. All I know is that I remember seeing a lot of Husqvarna chainsaws. Um, but uh, I mean, you've, you're the man with the facts, so every day's a school day. Uh, tell me, six, late on me. Six, 1689, and they they made muskets to begin with, and then they started making motorbikes in 1903. But I think they actually made bicycles before that again. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of. Companies, they don't come much older than that. Cool to have them involved. 300 years older than me. (laughs) 300 years older than Rory Cunningham. Yeah, there you go. Um, Right, here we go then. Another bit of news. Um, Sadly, we've heard that um, Florian Nikolai from Trek Factory Racing has had a crash in training. Um, It was a shoulder injury. was big enough to warrant a free ride in a helicopter and a few and a full medical team but um 
We've reached out to the team and Ryan Bodge has actually got back to us and let us know that thankfully it wasn't actually as crazy as they had feared. Um, and after getting checked out at the hospital, he has separated his shoulder, but not too badly. And he'll hopefully be back on the bike in a couple of weeks. Rory, you've had more shoulder operations and procedures than I've probably had hot dinners. Will this affect Flo's preparation for the season? Yeah, shoulders um, shoulders are complicated, I'll, I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, based on that, I mean, we, we saw the, you know, I think when we all saw the, the images of him getting flown out and um, in quite a lot of pain, we maybe anticipated it was it was worse than it was. But uh, He had yeah, a tinfoil blanket. A tinfoil blanket always indicates me that things are not well. Yeah, I don't think you need a tinfoil blanket in the south of France. Maybe in Scotland, but... Cook you. Yeah, maybe it was too hot. Maybe it was cooling them down. Um, but uh, yeah, a separated shoulder. So we can do an anatomy lesson here. But uh, a separated shoulder is is effectively where the the end of your collarbone uh, meets your scapula, uh, and it's there's a kind of awkward little ligament that links the two. And um, depend, you can sprain that, tear that, completely rupture that, and that's a separated shoulder. So there's different grades. Um, a one or a two is kind of like just a stretch uh, three or four is kind of a partial tear and then uh, a, a anything above that five or a six is um, the end of your collarbones floating which is not great um, but yeah I mean that, that sounds a lot better than than you know a fully dislocated shoulder which then involves the kind of glenoid and the, the humerus which is that's when you can start having you know cartilage uh cartilage problems or rotator cuff problems so um yeah it sounds like he's maybe he's maybe got off lately but um as far as preparation for the season goes you know any time out with injury is not ideal and, and the, the confidence it takes to, to kind of get back up to speed and, and fully trust in that shoulder so the good thing about you know the good thing for Flo is that he's got time um you know we're not racing until well EDBS isn't racing until July so we're still four or five months away um, so it should allow him time to uh, to kind of get that rehabbed, um, get back to full strength. He might have a few weeks or a month or so in the turbo trainer, which is I always used to hate, but uh, it definitely it definitely sounds like it's not as bad as we anticipated. So um, good for him. Um, obviously, the lead rider on on the, on the Trek team, um, he's pretty vital to to their presence. So um, we we hope his his recovery goes well and. Uh, yeah, we'll see him on the start line in um, in July. I always think, like, you know that old thing of, like, you know, there's a medical emergency on a flight and it comes over the tannoy. Is there a doctor on the plane? If there isn't a doctor, the next shout should be for a relatively experienced mountain bike pro because the, <laughs> amount, of, the amount of stuff that you all know about different medical procedures and different stuff that could go wrong with your body just from trial and experience is pretty extensive. Um I should say shoulders are actually the most commonly injured part of the body in enduro racing and I know that because I'm referencing here the EWS medical study which is online for free, it's worth reading, especially I guess if you're interested in coming to one of the races, um, really really extensive and one of the first in the sport that really sort of surveyed a lot of riders and looked at the sort of injuries they sustained and then there's also then uh, a sort of a list of how long they spent off the bike recovering from those shoulders actually accounted for out of 188 injuries surveyed i think it was 13.3 percent suffered shoulder injuries versus 
9%, which was the closest second, which was hand injuries. So why I would have I would have guessed that if you hadn't if I didn't know that that ankles or wrists, you know, stuff that you're sticking out to stop mm-hmm. yourself. Why are shoulders such a commonly injured thing in mountain biking? Um when, when naturally when riders fall off, um they you know, if if whether it's a if it's a crash where they kind of go with the handlebars or if they fall off the side, like naturally, the, the, your reaction as a as a human, it's not even it's not even as a rider, is to put your hands out to stop your fall. Uh, the shoulder, although it's one of the most mobile joints in the body, um, it's also one of the most uh, although, well, although it's the most mobile, meaning it can move a lot. It also then means that there's not as as much holding it in place. Um, you know, if you, if, if you think about the, the way your humerus, and this is the way I always had it described to me, um, at the top of your humerus, so the top of your arm, and how that sits on your on your glenoid, which is your shoulder socket, it's like a golf ball on a, on a golf tee. Um, the, there's not a huge amount of, uh, there's not a huge amount of holding it in there as far as structural um, kind of mass. It's, it's all the, the, the ligaments, the cartilage, the tendons, um, the, the muscles of the rotator cuff like it all um, it all works to hold it in place which is why you get the, the you know the brilliant range of motion why you can you know do windmills with your arms but um, obviously if, if part of that mechanical process is slightly out whether it's uh, you know a little bit of instability through uh, a cartilage tear or um, a rotator cuff tear which are the, the little muscles that stabilize it all it just emphasizes the the whole problem, um, you know, there's a lot of weight through the shoulder when we ride. So if you do have a little bit of wear and tear in there, and certainly something that that happened to me and, and caused a lot of my shoulder problems was, um, you know, there just wasn't really a way of of riding or racing and, and not putting strain and, and putting weight through the shoulder. So any kind of uh, any kind of injury or, or kind of aggravation of the shoulder joint it, it kind of just gets compounded over a season and um, you know I can only really talk from my experience but um, when you're when you're a rider on on single year contracts um, and you've got half a dozen or eight races say a year if your shoulder's not 100% you still need to you kind of you still need to line up like you still need to race and um, you know the amount of times I had to you know knock back some painkillers and tape it up and, and crack on um, I had a lost count but uh, you know it's um, it's a complicated uh, it's a complicated joint if, if things go wrong but um, yeah to, to anybody listening if you want some advice um, take your time with shoulders because uh, they can cause they can cause a lot of issues um, I've actually got a piece of I've probably got more uh <laughs> probably got more work done to mine than you've had done to your Subaru Rick and uh, I've, uh, I've I don't know I think of... I think your your shoulder probably creaks as much as my Subaru does um, <laughs> what is there any way though like we've talked before about I mean obviously Flo Eddie Masters is out with that um, pelvis injury sustained a couple of weeks ago it always blows my mind how quickly professional enduro racers are back on the bike and back at it is is that part of the training? Is that part of the body conditioning? Is there anything you can do to, like, work on your body so that if when you know, when you do get injured, you can 
repair as quickly as possible. I think um, the, the the biggest thing there is like preparation, as in um, not just leaving it to if you do get injured that you return quickly, but give yourself the least chance or the slimmest chance of, of becoming injured. So a lot of um, a lot of gym work, you know, build up muscles, um, become become kind of stronger, and and you know, joints and uh, joints and kind of limbs will be will be stronger. Uh, you know, a good stretch in your routine. Um, you know, the more flexible you are, if you can, uh, you know, if you fall off and you can make yourself look like a pretzel and, and roll out of it, then. Uh, you know, it's a lot better than, than hitting the ground and having no flexibility, and that's when when things start to kind of break. So, um, I think it's a lot to do with the riders' preparation ahead of the season. Um, you know, the time spent in the gym, the time spent kind of stretching and, and becoming more flexible, and then you know, you, with with mountain biking, you can't avoid crashing. I think especially in enduro, you know, the volume of time you spend on the bike and and riding at that intensity on on trails that you only ride once, there's always going to be little little crashes, little tip overs. So it's just kind of, you know, getting your body conditioned to a point where it can it can put up with that and, and cope with that. Uh, the bigger the kind of more sudden crashes, you know, if, if we're using say for example, uh what happened to Eddie, uh there's only so much you can do um in in that sort of situation. Some crashes, the speed and the the kind of intensity and, and the forces that get put through the body, something has to give. Um, you know, we, you can quite, you can quite easily come off and hit an, immo- an immovable object, whether that's a tree, a rock. Um, it, it's you know, there's there's always a there's always a tipping point, but um, certainly the preparation that riders do before the season is what's going to you know increase their their longevity and um, and allow them to to take a few tumbles throughout the year. As far as you know, once you have an injury, I think it's it's important to. Uh, you know, have a good rehab protocol, um, a way of figuring out what it is you need to do. Whether it's you know, do you is it just a matter of rest and recovery? You know, icing and um, you know, everything can help, right? So, like, good diet, you know, uh, icing it, uh, sunlight. There's all sorts of things that that factor into it, but. Um, as far as the actual protocol goes, it'll be it'll be riders more concerned about the preparation before the season than than wanting to think ahead about dealing with an injury later. I think that's what's actually it's one of the most impressive things about the Enduro World Series. Um, for me, it still really is like it's this it's the search for the ultimate mountain biker. And that if you look at the names that are contesting that title at the end of the season to have got there, like the amount of mechanical stuff they've had to dodge on their bikes could be anything, you know, rocket a rock edge somewhere that tears a hole in the tire that ends a race. And also keeping themselves physically at the very upper echelon to be able to perform at that level across a whole year of racing is just it's mind blowing actually. It's it's boggling how they can do that. Mm. I think we're seeing um you know something that's probably kinda of bad in there is you know, we we quite often see racers. Uh, certainly, when I was on trek, we had we had a swan year on our, our team, um, James Brickle, who was you know quite often uh, he would you know we we we'd get a, a massage after after practice or after the race or um, if I had any kind of little niggling 
um, aches and pains, you know, we could use tape and, um, you know, quite often would be, you know, <laughs> taped up like a, a poorly wrapped parcel um, for a race day just to, to try and to give things support. And, you know, we see that a lot more. You know, we've got, you see Tara from, from Rocky Mountain, she's the team manager, but she's also, you know, a, a full physio. So, um, you know, if racers are, are struggling with anything kind of midweek or mid-season, um, you know, she's there on hand to to try and get the get their body back to to where it needs to be, and and so they can focus on racing. I should point out as well. I did injure. I injured my shoulder actually in Madeira a couple of years ago, and uh, that tape, as pro as it looks, is not for the Harrier by Grace. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, thankfully, I've not I've not had to ever put it anywhere here. My shoulders don't have a lot of hair on them, so. Uh, no, wasn't okay, the it was around the front of my chest this, this stuff had to go and taking it off you sort of go oh yeah that'll come off in the bath or that'll come off with a bit of warm water it does not like I still bear the burns from that to this day um, <laughs> what's good as well um, also I should sorry I should point out again that um, that medical study it's actually really really interesting reading it is available on our website as well as a concussion study that we commissioned at the Enduro World Series.com we worked on it with uh, Napier University in Edinburgh who once upon a time were stupid enough to give me a journalism degree but although I think their medical side is a lot more professional but um, you can read all about the different kinds of injuries and uh, the sorts of experiences people have had um, on there it's well worth looking out one of the things i was just going to do really as well something new something new for you i'm going to bowl at you just to finish with is that we're heading towards race season and what that means is we're starting to see some team edits some video stuff coming out which i think just it just serves to get everyone excited about going racing um in a couple of months and one of the best that i've seen this year so far came out a couple of days ago Morgan Shaw and Emily Siegenthaler right in the trails in Cran Montana which is our new venue of course specialised Cran Montana this year EWSE and then of course an EWS as well and the trails there in that video look absolutely superb I haven't seen the videos but it sounds like I'm going to have Aha, to go watch see, it now, I, I did think to myself should yeah, I tell I was them too busy working Rick so I mean I've, I've not had time to, you know, to watch such leisurely uh, videos. You, you, you're the media man. You can just, you know, what I mean, you spend all day just watching these things. I'm, Mate, I'm at the coal, over. I'm at the coal face chipping uh, away yeah. off my video, <laughs> and it's in my. I've got to look at this stuff. It's uh, it ensures that our video coverage is at the highest level possible. But Re- go, and that, go and check that out. The speed Morgan Shaw and Emily Siegenthaler are moving at in that video is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, now I'll, I'll go and check that out. Obviously, we we had a a chat with the the Z Boys, so um, shout out to the Z Boys. Yeah, shout out to the Z Boys. We had a, a chat with them recently, um, who are the organisers for for Crans Montana. They're really excited about it, and uh, yeah, um, like I said, I know it's got a really good golf course, but if the trails are are just are half as good, then uh, we'll be laughing. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to to getting there this year. And um, yeah, I'll have to check out that edit. Um, I'm really enjoying your just like thinly veiled plug-in of that golf course just to see if when we're there there's a wee golf bag and a wee t-shirt arrives for you and stuff there's there's absolutely no way in hell they're going to let me on that golf course (laughs) like have have you seen it it's uh, like 
It'll be about eight million Swiss francs around. I think it looks pretty. It looks pretty upmarket. We'll have to. We'll have to try and do a, you know, a dodgy handshake under the table to try and get on. But uh, we, if it's anything like our Zermatt one, it won't. It won't be great. We played golf in uh, Zermatt on a down day before travel last year, and the. It was pretty pricey. It was a really, really good course, but it was pretty pricey. I'm guessing that where they take the Masters is going to be slightly pricier again, and that may well prove to be prohibitive for me, especially if I'm going to be stoking around the course in a pair of Adidas. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think we should keep it up. I think Project 90, uh, your hair, that will all stand you in good favour and you should be on that golf course as quick as I look at it. One more video that I'm sure you probably haven't watched because I haven't told you to. Uh, Keegan Wright has got um, a video out from Da Vinci. Uh, I did watch that. Did, did you indeed? Rooted in, yeah, yeah. Rooted, in a, rooted in New Zealand, it's called. 24 years old, but the amount of racing that Keegan's done at a top level on two wheels off roads pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't. I had. I genuinely thought he was uh, he was older than that, but um, yeah, it was was really cool to see. Obviously, you know, Keegan uh, is from Rotorua where we've we've raced before, and it was cool to recognise some of the trails, and it certainly looked a lot drier there than than when we were there. But yeah, some story. Um, you know him having a uh, was that a con- congenital development disorder where where one leg was um, growing at a different pace to the other one and you know the the kind of you know the the struggles he went through you know with operations and stuff uh, you know to to even ride a bike's an achievement but to be a a world class athlete um, is uh, you know it's, it's pretty incredible and um, you know seeing his his attitude towards it just like. You know, he didn't. He didn't think he was. You know, he didn't see himself as being any different. He doesn't see it as as being a setback. Um, you know, it, it's really inspiring to see. And uh, you know, uh, I mean, you know, one of the one of the top riders in the sport. It's uh, and not just in an enduro as well. You know, uh, some of his I performances cert- in pump track and slalom have been incredible. I certainly think. Um, I certainly think it's it's a it's really worth a watch because he kind of got into uh he got into bmx racing didn't he because of that um because that defect you mentioned and you can see his style progress from those early sort of videos up to how we know that he rides now and that pump track flowy style having ridden in rotorua would suit it perfectly do you know what i mean it's all about just carrying speed and flow and pumping things and uh Keegan, we didn't see any of them last year because of travel issues, obviously, um, being based deep in the Southern Hemisphere in New Zealand. So looking forward to seeing Keegan back at the races. And I kind of think as well that's a combination. Him, uh, Greg Callahan, Georgia Astle on that Da Vinci squad, I think that could work well for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, Keegan and, and Greg are, are almost polar opposites in a sense. You know, Greg, Keegan's very, uh, he's quite he's quite loud and um, quite erratic on the bike and um, just, you know, very kind of enthusiastic, lots of energy. I'm not saying Greg's not enthusiastic, but he's a little more, you know, level-headed, a little bit more kind of uh, consistent, sensible Um the kind of ultimate professionals, so I think it will be a good, a really good balance. And then George Astle in there as well, 
um, to kind of round out the team. I think it will be, yeah, I think it will be a good squad and, and certainly certainly one that's maybe sneaking under the radar a little bit. It's interesting you mentioned that about the, the difference in styles. Greg, to me, is a very... He's a bike rider's bike rider, isn't he, style-wise. He's very precise, very... Hits all his marks. You never really see him sort of out of shape in a corner or, you know, fighting to control the bike. He's always just sort of on top of things and in control. Do you think we're starting to see a style that works for Enduro emerge a bit more? Because there's still, there's still a, quite a wide variety of different ways of racing those stages, isn't there? Yeah, I think I always... I always kind of used to look at riders as who is a season rider and who is a weekend rider. And I, and I don't want that to sound negative towards some people but you know you could kind of tell at races or I felt you, you could tell who was you know the, there was days for for example someone like Sam Hill who's a season rider he would understand that for the long haul for the kind of his position in the overall not going for a race when and maybe settling for a fifth or a sixth place was was kind of the right decision at a certain venue or at a certain race Whereas some racers, it's like they go for the win absolutely every time, and it doesn't always or very rarely kind of pays off. So, Greg for me is is one hundred percent a season rider. As in, he's not going to be maybe the most erratic and fast at the front of the field every race. There will be races where he's right up there, but if there's races where you know he maybe doesn't feel like he has the pace or. Um, for whatever reason has has some issues it's like he'll still knock in a consistent result whereas you have other riders um, I'm trying to think uh, Keegan I think is a pretty good example of that you know uh, last in, in 2019 you know second place at, at uh, Rotorua and then um, I think was top five in, in Derby the, the following weekend and then after that when the series came to Europe just was a little bit hot and cold Um so yeah, I think I think there's there's certainly different styles. I don't I don't feel there's a there's a right and wrong. There's there's you have to to win races. You have to hang it out. Like you have to be you have to be riding pretty damn fast. But in order to be there at the end of the season, you can't really have a bad weekend. So um, I think you're definitely right. I think it's. I mean, if you look at. Um, Sam Hill, you look at Jesse Melamed's performances last year, Martin May's the year before that. There's definitely that ability to hang it all out on one stage, you know, smash mm. people by nine, ten seconds. And then there's the maturity to just take it back a notch and balance that lead and sort of meter things out. So mm. definitely one worth keeping an eye on, I think. Um Always good to see Keegan at the race. He's always having a good time. He's also, we've talked about it before, I think he's one of the only pros I know of anyway that rides with headphones in, which for me would be a disaster. It would be like, you'd start you'd start your run with a bit of rage against the machine or something, then you'd hit shuffle and get like classical gas or something halfway down. It would just ruin <laughs> things for me. Yeah, fastest to the split and then 100th place from there on. Yeah, about Beyonce and just dip. Anyway, listen, Rory, thank you very much for your time as ever. Um, next week, let's do more um, Ask Us Anything. Let's get that back on the go again. So keep an eye out, start of the week on our Instagram. 
world under slash enduro uh, and we will try and answer some of your questions next week thanks very much Ruri again cheers and uh, let's speak again next week cheers mate catch you next week <laughs>